Today's sermon is a sermon about foreknowledge and uh, predestination, and I just wanted to give a little preface to this message and uh, help you think a little bit about the some some of the broader, more general questions about election and predestination. It's a difficult doctrine, and and mainly it is because of uh, uh, I think there's a main reason. One person thinks about election like this. If if God has determined who he would save and who he would pass over before they were born, regardless of anything else about them, this seems unjust. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem loving. And so many people believe that um, the doctrine of election cannot mean that he has predetermined who he would save and who he wouldn't save. They would say this violates man's free will. This this makes men something a little bit more like robots than it does uh, men who have uh, what what we would call free agency, you know. And so here's here's where this issue of free agency comes in. This is why those Christians value um, uh, the the, the the chief priority resting in the free will of men. This this is why. First Timothy two, three and four. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and who come to knowledge of the truth. That uh, that shows a, a characteristic of benevolence and, and grace in God and, and we read that in, in all Christians. We we know scripture is inspired by God. We we believe that that God has inspired these words so that we can know him, so that we can know us, we can know the gospel. And he wants all men to be saved. Or 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So we see these plain texts that say God wants all men to be saved. He desires them all to be saved. And these verses seem, they have the appearance of running counter to the idea of election, where we say that God has predetermined who he would save and who he wouldn't save. So if God's determined who he would save, and, and if that means that he's overlooked some, then is it true that he desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, according to the words to Timothy? Or does, does it mean that God is not willing that anyone perish and that all should come to repentance, as it says in 2 Peter 3, 9? If he's determined to pass over some, it seems that he doesn't desire all men come to repentance. So we need to, on the very outset of this um, sermon, acknowledge that this is, a, this is an existing dilemma. This is, a, this is a true theological conundrum. But here's why the conundrum exists, and here's um, we, we will be speaking about this in greater detail in this sermon. But in Romans 9.11, for example, Romans 9.11, the passage says, For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Romans 9.11 is referring to the patriarch, Isaac, and his wife, Rebecca, and she is pregnant with twins. The older of the twins' name is Esau, and the younger of the twins' name is Jacob. And Romans chapter 9 speaks in some detail about what election means, what God's predetermination means. And in this case, it means that the younger child would would, would be the chief. 
that's counter to how most families are going to function. That's counter to even the, the Jewish um, rule for who is going to carry the name of the family, who's going to be the chief heir, etc. Well, God has a purpose in election. What it says here in the verse in Romans 9, it says these children weren't born yet. And these children hadn't done anything good or anything evil, meaning God's determination wasn't based on something they did. It wasn't based on something they thought, but it was based on what it says here in the verse, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. In other words, God's will and determination existed before the children did anything. And it wasn't according to the works of these children, what it says in Romans 9-11, but it was according to the determination of him who calls. So, today's sermon is not going to address everything having to do with predestination and election. This, uh, this doctrine is broad and deep and, and truly, uh, I, I do believe it leaves some areas in our hearts where, where we wonder and we don't 100% understand the mind and heart of God. But what we want to do in this sermon today is, is put together some of the Bible's testimony that, that does affirm uh, foreknowledge of predestination, scriptures that speak about that God does know everything before it comes to pass. He knows what's going to happen. There are examples in the Bible, numerous examples in the Bible that um, show us what God's electing will is is, is determining to do um, for salvation. Or even what I, I believe we see in the New Testament, God uh, foreknowing reprobation um, or, or God's overlooking them, God's uh, foreknowing some people to uh, damnation. Now, it's a very difficult thing for us to believe. We we don't we don't want to believe that God would do that. I believe that that's what we read being taught in Romans chapter nine. Um, look at First Peter two eight briefly, if you would. It says they stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they were also appointed. We have a hard time really getting our mind around. Um, that some would be appointed to be disobedient to the word. We also know, and you'll you'll recall how God raised Pharaoh for this very purpose. Genesis 9.16 refers to God raising him up in such a way, quote, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Very interestingly, please do note in Genesis 9, uh, verse 15 and 16, shows us that God was aware of two options. God was aware of two different ways that the life of Pharaoh uh, would end or that the nation of Egypt would end. And Genesis 9, 15 and 16 tells us that God predetermined that he would uh, pursue one course of history over the other. He, he predetermined his, his way and his purpose. We also know, too, that uh, the Lord Jesus said in 665, and, and we, we run into this in, in a couple different places, quote, Therefore I have said to you, no one can come to me, the Lord Jesus, unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Well, how does God the Father determine uh, who who is going to grant that to? Which, which men are going to come to Christ for salvation? Is is it their will that is the chief determining factor that, that they, they will come to Christ for salvation? No, the scripture uh, says in verses like this that it is God's action moving a will of a man. It is God's uh, God's will to change the uh, the attraction 
in the eyes of the one seeing and hearing the, the preaching of Christ. And so no one, it says in this verse, can come to Christ unless it has been granted to that person by my Father. So scripture does affirm over and over again these um, the, these realities where, where God is the first actor, God's priority in acting first to to drawing or to, to willing, um, or another way we put it is that God has himself made a, an electing choice and put his love on some. And at the same time, the scripture never violates the will of a man. Um, scripture never says that God will not save some who want to be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. God doesn't save people in a robotic fashion. He doesn't uh, save some against their will, and he doesn't damn some against their will. We, as Christians, from our perspective, are we're, we're working out history as it is unfolding. We are working out and living out the, the, the season of redemption that we live in. And when we look at men and when we consider evangelism, we don't look at one man and go, oh, he's elect, I'm going to share the gospel with him. Oh, he's not elect, I'm not going to share the gospel with him. The Christian's responsibility in evangelism is to plead with the lost to repent and believe and trust the Lord Jesus. This is God's will for you and I as Christians. God's will and understanding his, his grace in saving sinners is a great mystery because of um, these these verses that we looked at a minute ago. God does desire all men everywhere to come to a knowledge of the truth. He, he desires that none would perish, but that they would come to repentance. I don't think we should deny any scriptures in, in our affirming uh, election and in affirming how God has taught us to evangelize the lost. We must preach to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1-5 says, You he made alive while you were dead in your trespasses and sins. God is the one who, who wakens the dead, gives sight to the blind by the preaching, by a Christian's preaching. As we consider this mystery, the gospel and redemption is chiefly meant to glorify God. It's authored by God. It's implemented by God through um, the, the words of the apostles to, to those who believe and to those who would speak his words and by the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And just in closing this little introduction to the sermon, I don't claim to know how to harmonize all the most difficult um, passages that appear to be ironies to us. Some things in the Bible do seem to us impossible to work out or, or to work together. But God has taught us and, and what we have come to believe by what the scripture itself says, God has commanded us to believe that his word is inspired and it is meant to be believed first. And if we can understand its mysteries, as well, then, then more praise and glory to him. But there are going to be some mysteries in his word that are not yet revealed to us that, that we don't completely understand. I'm, I'm willing to rest and be settled on that. So you and I as a Christian, we can preach the word. We can teach the word. If the word teaches election, teach election. If it leaves you unsure how to answer some questions, um, ask the Lord for wisdom 
continue to study and and believe and trust in God's word, um, we will not comprehend um, the the depths that are in God's mind and heart. But what we do not want to do is read his word um, and, and, and understand what it means and then feel like we need to do something to defend God or we need to do something to change what it sounds like it means so that it isn't offensive. You know, the fact is, is that the doctrine of election is always offensive. And listeners of the Lord Jesus preaching were offended by his teaching about election and predestination. Uh, let God defend his own name and his own reputation as we uh, consider what the word means and as we say what we believe it means. Um, let's remain humble before the Lord and in light of his word and trust him to use his word and, and, the, own, and the, the, the explanation of his word for his own glory and his own purposes. And trust him to call the dead to life. Trust him to call the lost to salvation. So I hope the explanation here is maybe a little bit helpful. And if you want some help with this, contact me. I'd be happy to speak with you. And um, we can uh, discuss more of this if you like.